With that new wall out there, Oriole Park doesn't really play like a hitter's park anymore. So when the O's go on the road to these Mickey Mouse ballparks like Houston, the hitters get to feast. And that's what they did Tuesday night. Four homers from the Orioles, two from Austin Hayes, and they take the series from the Astros with a 9-5 win. I'll break it all down coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Wednesday, September 20th, 2023, and welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. And coming up on today's episode, we are going to recap the Orioles' 9-5 victory over the Houston Astros on Tuesday night as they took the series, winning the first two games at Minute Maid Park. I'll get you the five things you need to know from that one, including the Orioles' four home runs with two from Austin Hayes, Jack Flaherty coming in in relief and pitching well, and Brandon High just managing that bullpen with a lot of success once again. Then we'll dive even further into the Orioles' decision to move Flaherty to the bullpen. They made that move Tuesday. He looked pretty good in the first relief outing. What kind of weapon can he be out of the bullpen down the stretch? And finally, some Orioles news and notes on Aaron Hicks, Ryan Mountcastle, Heston Kerstad, and Jackson Holiday at the end of the pod. But that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast, which is brought to you by Jace Medical. Empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case, providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics that treat 50-plus infections. Get yours today at jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. So we start today with an Orioles victory once again. The final score from Minute Maid Park in Houston on Tuesday night. The Baltimore Orioles 9 and the Houston Astros 5 as the O's have now won four games in a row coming right off of their four-game losing streak last week. And they have taken the first two games from the Astros and taken the series on the road against the defending World Series champions, and for the third consecutive season, the Orioles win the series in Houston. They've played some really good baseball at Minute Maid Park over the past few years. With the win, again, the Orioles maintain first place in the AL East. They get a huge victory over a really, really good baseball team and get to 95 and 56 on the season. They drop the magic number to eight. However, it didn't drop any further because the Rays did beat the Angels 6-2 in Game 1 of their series on Tuesday night. Now, credit to the Angels, who, after a Zach Neto homer, tied the game at 2 in the top of the 8th inning. Then the Angels became the Angels. Aaron Loop just fell apart, gave up 4 runs, and the Rays won. So the Orioles maintain a 2.5 game lead atop the AL East, and the magic number is down to 8, which means they need... A combined number of eight when you add up Orioles wins and raise losses for the rest of the year for the Orioles to clinch the American League East crown. And I'm going to get you the five things you need to know from the Orioles' 9-5 to victory over the Astros. And the first thing you need to know is Austin Hayes had a big day and left the yard twice for the first time in two years for the Orioles. Yes, Austin Hayes. Despite having a great first half last year, despite being an all-star this year, and 
being the Orioles' leader in multi-hit games this season, just had his first multi-homer game since September of 2021. The first big blast for Hayes came in the third inning, a three-run shot off of Astros starter Hunter Brown that gave the O's a 5-2 lead at the time. Didn't mash it, but you don't have to, admitted Meg Park, with the Crawford boxes out there. Hit it just 96 miles per hour off the bat, traveled just 365 feet. That thing might have been a flyout at Camden Yards, but it was a huge three-run homer to give the Orioles the lead. But with his second home run, I would say that was much, much more of a no-doubter. The second one came in the seventh inning off of Jose Urquidy out of the Astros' bullpen. That one he hit 422 feet to left center field. That one was 105 off the bat. And that one, according to StatCast, would have been a home run in all 30 ballparks, whereas the first one just 16 out of 30. So Hayes certainly got his money's worth with that second home run. But it's nice to see him. He's having a pretty good September so far. You know, after he kind of struggled coming out of the All-Star break, he's regained his offensive form, hitting fourth in the lineup, has the big two-homer game with four RBIs, and was huge in the middle of the Orioles' order. Second thing you need to know from this one is it's kind of a home run party for the Orioles who hit four home runs in this game against the Astros. Two of them came against Hunter Brown, the Astros starter, who gave up seven runs over six hits in five and a third innings. I mentioned the Hayes homer in the third, but it all got started with Ryan O'Hearn, who just continued to mash after a five for five day on Monday, his first career five hit game. O'Hearn came to the plate for the first time on Tuesday in the first inning. And what did he do? He got another hit, but not just any hit, an opposite field two-run homer, a career-high 14th home run of the season for O'Hearn, who hit it 400 feet to left center field, just sneaking over the wall for a two-run shot to give the Orioles a 2-0 lead. And then they got to the bullpen as well. Hayes hit the home run off Urquidy to make it 8-5 in the seventh inning. Then Heston Kerstad came up and hit his second career homer, also in the seventh, also off Urquidy. Now, this one barely got out of here. He hit a fastball the opposite way, did Kerstad, landed in the first row in left field in the Crawford boxes, only 98 off the bat, only 337 feet. And according to StatCast, Minute Maid Park is the only ballpark where that batted ball from Kerstad would have been a home run. So luckily, he hit it there, and it gave the O's some nice little insurance for his second big league home run. Heston Kerstad, I mean, just swinging the bat incredibly well. Like, he was only rewarded on Tuesday night with the one hit in a one-for-four effort. But I got to tell you, the way the ball is coming off of Heston Kerstad's bat right now, it looks different. I mean, he struck out in the first inning. Then he lined out in the third on a ball 105 off the bat, crushed it to left center field, 374 feet away. Then in the sixth, crushed another one to left center field, 387 feet away, before, of course, the home run being 337 feet. The home run that he hit in a one-for-four day was the shortest ball that he hit. He is swinging the bat really, really well right now, and he got in on that party. Third thing you need to know from the victory is that that is going to be a weird but also intriguing night to remember for James McCann behind the plate and at the plate for the Orioles. O's were able to get Adley Rutschman a full day off on Tuesday, which meant that James McCann was catching once again. He goes one for three with a single and an RBI and a strikeout at the plate. 
But the RBI was an interesting one. Coming up with runners on first and third and one out for the Orioles. They had a 5-3 lead at the time in the sixth inning. It was the first pitch Phil Maton was going to throw as he came out of the bullpen to replace Hunter Brown. And McCann just lays down a perfect bunt down the first baseline. Not only does it score the run, but McCann beats it out at first for an RBI bunt single. Couldn't tell you the last time James McCann did that, but that was a cool moment. Also in the game defensively, he made a great stop on a pitch in the dirt, picked it up, and fired a dart to second to throw out Jose Altuve stealing. And then he also took a foul ball to, I'll say, an uncomfortable place. It looked like behind the plate, was down for a bit, but stayed in the game. Roller coaster of emotions for James McCann on Tuesday night, but he got out of there healthy, I think, and got out of there with a big RBI and an Orioles win. Fourth thing you need to know from the 9-5 win for the O's Tuesday night against the Astros is that Kyle Gibson didn't have his best stuff. He was not at his best in this one. Gibson, who's been the innings eater this year for the Orioles for just the fifth time all season. Now for Kyle Gibson in 30-plus starts, he did not complete five innings. Gibson goes just four and two-thirds, allowing three runs on five hits, five strikeouts, two walks, and two homers allowed. Now, he only allowed five hard-hit balls. Really outside of the two homers he gave up, wasn't really hit around all that much, but his command wasn't great at times. Now, the sweeper was amazing, right? Pretty much the reason why he had five strikeouts was that was maybe the best sweeper we've seen in a while from Gibson, who got seven whiffs of his eight total on that pitch, was just devastating righties with the sweeper. But he also gave up some loud contact, in this game, Kyle Tucker got him for a two-run homer in the first to tie the game at two. Also gave up a home run later in the game as well. That came in the third inning, a solo shot that uh, made it a 5-3 to three game at the time, coming off the bat of Alex Bregman. He got to the fifth. Now, he was only at, you know, 80-some pitches. And probably the point of the game was more the reason Gibson came out than his performance. The fact that D.L. Hall was throwing... And you had the back-to-back incredibly tough lefties in Jordan Alvarez and Kyle Tucker coming up. It was probably smart to go to D.L. Hall when Brandon Hyde did. And Hall got out of the jam in the fifth. And that takes me to the fifth and final thing you need to know from the Orioles' win over the Astros Tuesday night. Is that the bullpen was mostly a whole lot better on Tuesday night. Monday, the bullpen had a lot of issues. Orioles still were able to overcome them and get the win. But the pen was a lot better Tuesday. I mentioned D.L. Hall getting the big out in the fifth inning. Comes back out in the sixth. Should have gotten two outs. And Adam Frazier error means he only gets one. Then Jorge Lopez comes in. And he does give up a two-run homer in the sixth to Yiner Diaz before ending the inning. But after that, the Orioles turn it over to Jack Flaherty. Who we'll talk about in a bit. Who was moved to the bullpen before the game Tuesday. He gives them two scoreless. Pitches into the ninth. Allows a leadoff single. Then Brandon Hyde does something that he has not done all season. He calls to Yinyir Cano with the runner on first and no outs and the Orioles up 9-5 in the bottom of the ninth. That wasn't abnormal. What was abnormal is that it was the third consecutive day that Cano had pitched. He becomes, on September 19th, the first Orioles pitcher this season to pitch three consecutive days. And he got... A couple of outs. Didn't get all the outs he needed, but he got a couple of outs. Now, this is a different circumstance for three straight days because, yes, it's three straight days and they haven't done that. But when you really look into it, it's not super surprising. Cano threw only nine pitches 
in the ninth and 10th innings on Sunday. And then he only threw three pitches on Monday when he came in to strike out Chaz McCormick on three pitches, get the final out of the 8-7 win. So despite it was back-to-back days, it was only 12 pitches over a two-day span, which means you're fully rested and ready to go. That's when you know that you know pitch count is kind of more important than innings count when you're looking at workload for pitchers. So Cano comes in, gives up a hit, then gets a huge heads-up double play from Gunnar Henderson, then a walk. So you got two on and two out. You're up 9-5, and you got the back-to-back devastating lefties coming up, Alvarez and Tucker. And what does Hyde do? He goes to the bullpen again to CNL Perez, who he wanted to close out the game on Monday night. Perez couldn't because of a Ramon Arias error. This time, he goes to Cano first and then to Perez with the lefties coming up. And what made that move funny is that Hyde went all season without throwing a pitcher three days in a row. Then on back-to-back bullpen moves in the same game, he does it twice because when CNL Perez came out of the bullpen, he was also pitching his third consecutive day. But like Cano, it was basically the same spot. He had thrown five pitches to get one out on Sunday. He had thrown eight pitches to get two outs on Monday. So again, 13 pitches in two days, pretty easy to pitch a third consecutive day. And what CNL Perez did to Jordan Alvarez to strike him out to end that game was unbelievable. Fastball, 97, called strike one. Fastball, 99 at the knees, called strike two. Fastball, 99 at the knees, called strike three, game over. Jordan Alvarez never took the bat off his shoulder. Good morning, good afternoon, good night, and the Orioles take the series over the Astros. Great job by the pen and great managing, once again, for the third straight day, a Brandon Hyde managerial masterclass. So the O's get the win. And honestly, one of the big parts of that win, I would say, was Jack Flaherty coming out of the Oriole bullpen. He was moved to that role Tuesday and immediately thrust into it in the seventh inning in Houston. And he delivered. So coming up next, we'll talk about what went well for Flaherty out of the pen and if maybe he can find success in this role after struggling as a starter with the Orioles. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is brought to you by Sleeper. Now, the MLB playoffs are right around the corner, and the Orioles are in. Well, the clock is ticking on your chance to times your money by 100 in cash on Daily Fantasy Baseball. Baseball's never been more exciting than it is now, with studs like Acuna, Betts, Otani, and Austin Hayes. So you can pick more or less on stats for these stars, like homers, hits, strikeouts, and more for up to a 100 times payout on Sleeper. Get your picks right, and you could win big. Sleeper also has an app that makes it super, super easy to make your picks every single night if you'd like, and you can do it that often because it's quick and easy. Entries can be made in under a minute. It takes you less than 60 seconds to get those entries in on Sleeper. So use promo code locked on and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Check out Sleeper today. So the Orioles take down the Houston Astros 9 to 5 on Tuesday night, taking now the first two games of this three-game set and one of the big parts of that win was Jack Flaherty, who it was announced on Tuesday that the Orioles would be moving Jack Flaherty to the bullpen. Now, 
This move was probably made really for three reasons, I would say. Reason number one, Flaherty has struggled as a starter for the Orioles since they acquired him from the Cardinals at the trade deadline. Flaherty in seven starts with the O's in 31 and two-thirds innings has a 7.11 ERA, allowed seven homers, and although he has a 25% strikeout rate, which is up from his time with the Cardinals this year, and his 8% walk rate is down from his time with the Cardinals, just giving up way too much hard contact, way too many homers. And despite the fact that his first start was really good against the Blue Jays, those first three innings against the Rays on Friday night were dominant. He wasn't good after that, hasn't really been good as a starter. So they move him into the bullpen. Now, again, reason number one, not very good as a starter. Reason number two, the Orioles' bullpen has been taxed over the last couple of days. They haven't had an off day in a while. They are right in the middle of 17 consecutive days with no days off. They don't get one until Monday. And they've had to use the bullpen a lot. They got a lot of short starts last weekend. Now they had to use a lot of the pen Sunday and Monday. And then Kyle Gibson went four and two-thirds Tuesday, so you had to use it again. And so you felt like you needed a long relief option in there. And the third thing is, the fact that John Means has held his own in his first two starts back from Tommy John surgery means you can feel confident for now with Means as your fifth starter. You can move away from the six-man rotation back to the five-man rotation and put Flaherty in the bullpen. Now, Flaherty hasn't done this much. He's been in the big league since he was a September call-up with the Cardinals in 2017. And in that time, which includes both the regular season and the postseason, He's only pitched in relief four times in his career before Tuesday. One in 2017 as a rookie, two in 2021, and one on the final day of the season in 2022. Now, all those relief outings did go well. In total, it was four scoreless innings, two hits, four Ks, and one walk. That's solid. Now spread over, you know, six different seasons. But you think, hey, maybe this could work out. And he goes out there. Out of the bullpen, enters in the seventh with the Orioles leading 9-5. to five, And he just does his job out of the Oriole bullpen. Flaherty gives the O's two-plus innings of scoreless ball. Two strikeouts, no walks, and three hits on 45 pitches. Just two hard-hit balls against him in the two innings of work for Jack Flaherty. And he got five whiffs in the game. Now, was he at his best? Still no. Gave up a couple of base runners. In the seventh inning, we got a big strikeout of Kyle Tucker. Then he got through the eighth, and then he did allow a leadoff single to Mauricio Dubon in the ninth, and then Brandon Hyde pulled him in favor of Yenier Cano. But the stuff did play up out of the bullpen for Jack Flaherty, especially with power pitchers, which even though his velo is down overall, that's still what Flaherty is, a power pitcher. The stuff does tend to play up when you know you're only going an inning or two or three out of the bullpen, and that is exactly what happened for Jack Flaherty. He goes out there, and the fastball, which has averaged 93 this year, he was sitting 94 and was up to 97 with the fastball, maxed out at 96.6 and had many fastballs at 95, 21 fastballs out of the 45 pitches he threw. I mean, it was an easy 94-95 for Flaherty, who's been more 92-93 as a starter this year. Curveball velocity was up, slider velocity was up, the spin rate on both of those pitches were up as well, and also, he pitched basically fully out of the stretch as a reliever, 
And his fastball command was basically the best we've seen it as an Oriole. So not only was the fastball velocity significantly up, the command was significantly up as well. 16 of his 21 fastballs were in the strike zone, and he was getting outs with that pitch. Got seven called strikes, got three whiffs, five foul balls. The fastball was looking really, really good, and that looked much closer to like the 2019 ace of the Cardinals, Jack Flaherty fastball. So I don't know what this is going to mean. You know, this is only two innings in one outing, and Brandon Hyde probably hoped he could finish the game, but he gave up the leadoff single in the ninth, and he pulled him. And it did take him 45 pitches to get six outs. That is not very efficient at all. But I think the ship has kind of sailed at this point on Flaherty as a starter for the Orioles. So if you're going to get something out of this trade down the stretch, it's going to need to be as a reliever. And I've said it before, he has the stuff that can play up in the bullpen and make him a good reliever. And if he can be a multi-inning guy like this, that's a very valuable piece for the Orioles to have in the bullpen over these final 11 games of the season. And now I don't know if it's going to look like this every time with the two scoreless innings, but I would trust him enough to try it again and continue to see how it works out. And maybe, just maybe, the Orioles can still get some positive impact out of this Jack Flaherty trade. But just a couple more things to get to here on this episode. Some Orioles news and notes concerning Aaron Hicks, Ryan Mountcastle, and others are coming up next to finish off the pod. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is also brought to you by Jace Medical. Now, you may have some questions. What is Jace Medical? Jace Medical essentially does not want you to be caught unprepared. All right? They have the ability to send you medications that you could need at any time. You go online, fill out a form, and then you get prescription life-saving medications right to your door. The Jace case, their top product, gives you peace of mind so that you are not just hoping you have access to medication in an emergency. Jace Medical makes sure you have the medication in hand. And you can save more than $360 by getting these life-saving antibiotics with Jace Medical, plus an additional $20 off by using code LOCKEDON at checkout on jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com, promo code Locked On. So the Orioles have won the series over the Houston Astros, taking game two, nine to five on Tuesday night. Now the O's will go for the series sweep over a Houston team that is pretty good. And uh, you may have heard just won the World Series last year. And it'll be a day game, a little matinee baseball here on a Wednesday. Orioles and Astros for game three at 2.10 p.m. Eastern time start. And the O's will send their ace out there, Kyle Bradish takes the hill for the Orioles, had a couple of fantastic starts, did Bradish against the Astros last season. Coming off a good start is Bradish against the Tampa Bay Rays. Seven innings, four runs, seven hits, five Ks, and no walks for Bradish. He has not walked a batter in either of his last two starts. Orioles will certainly take that. Bradish, however, did not face the Astros when they came to Baltimore earlier this year, so his first start against Houston this season. And he will go up against the hard-throwing right-hander Christian Javier, who, after a masterful 2022, is having a little bit of a down season this year. Javier, in 28 starts, has a 4.74 ERA on the season. 
Last time out there against the Royals, five innings, two runs, five hits, six Ks, and one walk for Christian Javier. Despite a bit of a down year, he still has electric stuff. He did start at Camden Yards on August 9th against the O's, and it was a pretty typical start for him this year. Five innings, two runs, four hits, three Ks, three walks, and a homer in that one against Baltimore. Hopefully the O's can maybe get him out early again, get into the bullpen, and try to pull off what would be a huge, and I mean huge road sweep. Remember, you know, on Monday's episode, I was talking about kind of what the O's need to do down the stretch to win this division. The magic number is at eight. And I predicted the O's would lose two out of three in this series in Houston and predict they'd still win the division with that. Even getting two out of three is a huge leg up. If they could get the sweep today, that would put them in an amazing spot above the Rays heading into what would be the final 10 games of the season. But either way, you can listen to every single pitch of the Orioles' hometown radio broadcast of the day game today, game three between the O's and the Strohs, on the SXM app through SiriusXM. Just download the app and search Orioles. But to finish things off here today, just wanted to do a little bit of Orioles news and notes before we go, starting with Aaron Hicks, who talked about it on Tuesday's episode. Hicks left the game on Monday night after sliding into second base in the top of the ninth inning. Him leaving the game kind of forced the Orioles to make all those weird moves, the double switches, the multiple defensive changes in the bottom of the ninth of that win Monday night. It didn't look great. It looked like an ankle, but luckily it turns out it was just cramping for Aaron Hicks. Now, he did not play in the game Tuesday, but Brandon Hyde said before the game he was available, so it seems most likely that Hicks could return to the Orioles lineup on Wednesday. Now, not as good a news on Ryan Mountcastle, who was once again out of the Orioles lineup Tuesday and looked unavailable. That makes six consecutive games that Mountcastle has missed now with that shoulder issue. He injured it on a swing back in Baltimore last Wednesday night against the St. Louis Cardinals. Looked really down and out after the injury, after the game, but the MRIs, the x-rays all came up negative. You know, they all came up clean for Mountcastle. But he's still sore. He's still having some pain, it seems like, when he swings. He's just, you know, he's been available off the bench a couple of days, but doesn't seem quite right. It is interesting now, though, because we're getting to, at this point, seven days since the injury. And it almost kind of makes sense now to just put him on the injury list. If you can make it retroactive to last Wednesday, you can still bring him off the IL, like, sometime late this weekend or early next week. But you can get another bat here to use. And maybe that bat would just become Ryan McKenna, right? But McKenna gives you a little more flexibility for a pinch runner or defensive replacement late in games to use off that bench, to utilize your entire bench. Instead of just having Mountcastle sit there, if he's still hurting, just 10-day IL him and give him a little more time to get right. But we'll see what the Orioles do. It doesn't seem like at this point they're planning on using the injured list for Mountcastle. On the flip side, nice day for Jackson Holiday on Tuesday night, final week of the regular season for the AAA Norfolk Tides, who are headed to the playoffs next week. They are up in Buffalo this week against the Toronto Blue Jays AAA team, and Jackson Holiday put together his first career three-hit game in AAA on Tuesday night. Now, we've gotten to the point where, unless there's some sort of injury to a key Orioles infielder, I don't think the dream of Jackson Holiday coming to the big leagues this year is going to happen but he's really holding his own in AAA. And I mean, he looks like a prime candidate to make the opening day roster next year. Like, yeah, maybe the Orioles could do some service time shenanigans, 
but man, he is looking good. And it's just great to know that this team's amazing. They're barreling towards a division title and 100 wins. And oh yeah, they still have the number one prospect in baseball once again waiting in the wings. And the final thing to get to is Heston Kerstad. I mentioned he had his second career homer in the win Tuesday night. Kerstad's just swinging the bat so, so well. He's hitting it hard. He has a good approach. He's just aggressive enough. And we're kind of getting towards the question, like, could he actually make the playoff roster? Now, that question is in terms of would the Orioles give him one of the 13 hitter spots on the playoff roster, or maybe 14, depending on how they shake it out. But also, would he be eligible? You know, I'm getting that question a little bit. As far as I know, he was not on the 40-man roster by September 1st. If you're on the 40-man roster before September 1st, you're automatically eligible for the postseason. You don't need to do anything. Now, players who are in the organization before September 1st but are not on the 40-man, that is the case of Heston Kerstad, they can still be playoff eligible. Those are the workarounds, the loopholes that people talk about. You would need to get an injury exception, basically permission from the commissioner's office to put him on the playoff roster. Now, this is something that doesn't happen a whole lot, but it seems like in the past, when teams have like filed and asked the commissioner's office for these things, the answer has generally been yes to get the player on the playoff roster. You do have to do some maneuvering to say, oh, he was replacing this injured guy per the letter of the law. But it seems like, at least to me, and I'm not 100% sure on this, but it seems like if the Orioles want to get Kerstad on the playoff roster, they shouldn't have too tough a dime doing it. And if he continues to swing the bat like this, he could be an interesting bench bat for the Orioles in the postseason. But that'll do it for today's episode. Thank you so much for watching and listening. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe to the Locked On Orioles YouTube page. I will be back tomorrow for a Thursday episode recapping the final game between the Orioles and the Astros, hopefully talking about an O's sweep and getting you ready for the big four-game series in Cleveland this weekend. But until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.